This is Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show with Jen Vogel, a top-rated podcast in the market research and insights industry. Jen and her guests share valuable information to help you understand your customers better. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Real Talk. This episode is presented to you by Vox Popme, the leader in video surveys. Here's today's episode. Hello, insights professionals, marketers, and everyone who wants to understand their customers better. I'm Jen Vogel. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm excited to chat with Priscilla McKinney on today's episode. Priscilla is the CEO of Little Bird Marketing, works at the intersection of marketing business and market research. She's joining us today to discuss how we can shape better stories. Welcome, Priscilla. Thank you, Jen. It's so nice to be on a podcast with another podcaster. <laughs> no, I know. Just let's be clear. You are not hosting this episode. Right. <laughs> I believe me, I'm already so relaxed and stupid. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to have you on today. And also super excited to be able to see you in a couple of weeks at Insights Marketing Day in Chicago. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that event? It's one of those best kept secrets, you know, in the industry because we keep it to a very small and uh, intimate group and the networking and the, just the interaction with everybody is where we can stop for a day, quit working, you know, uh, in our businesses and work on it, quit working, you know, at thinking, how am I ever going to become a thought leader? How am I going to advance my career? Instead, we get these tactical ways to do it. And we build this posse and that's why it's so cool that you're going to come and really host a panel for us with some really big hitters in the insights community. But it's because we're all going to get to chat and really put out there what it is we need in order to take that next step in our careers. Totally. Yeah, I cannot wait. It's going to be a lot of fun to get together and kind of a nice entry back into the world with a, a smaller group, <laughs> you know, a little yeah. Little hop from New York to Chicago. So uh, I'm looking forward to it very much. Yeah, for sure. Well, you have a couple of powerhouses you're going to get to interview. You're going to yeah. talk with Michelle over at McDonald's, with Sebastian at Kellogg, and then Je another Jennifer yeah. over at Wells Enterprises, which is Blue Bunny. So, I mean, can you imagine? I, I'm already I'm already thinking of my questions I'm going to make you ask on the panel. I know. I know. I cannot wait. And some of our audience will have already heard Michelle and Sebastian on the show. So, Jennifer, I'm coming for you next to get you on <laughs> to Real Talk. But, yeah, it's going to be a really good panel. And there's so many other great sessions happening that day. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for being a part of it. It's Absolutely. so great because, you know, the Vox Pop Me promise of really, you know, getting so connected and really being, you know, caring about what that consumer thinks and feels is so at the basis of where this industry needs to go. And so having that voice there is going to be important for us. Absolutely. We're thrilled to be a part of it. Um, so let's have a show. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some questions. We could just chat about stuff I know. all day, but, um, let's start. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and about your company, Little Bird Marketing? Yeah. Well, the name Little Bird Marketing actually came from my idea that I wanted to be close to my customer. Hmm. Who does that sound like, Jen? <laughs> So instead of being, you know, a large agency that was very hands off or very, oh, we'll do deliverables for you, but we don't really know, you know, what you're losing sleep over at night. We wanted to be really close with our clients. And to that end, we wanted to attract clients who wanted to be close to their customer. 
And so that kind of means that there's like this intimate circle that um, there's good news and you, you, you're, you're close to the action, right? And so when you want to share good news, typically the first thing you say is, a little birdie told me, right? And so to me, that connotes that you have some intimate connection and we wanted to attract clients who wanted to maintain that close connection with their clients. Likewise, we wanted that close connection with our clients. And so that's where the name came from. And since then, of course, we've been doing digital marketing and we specialize in lead generation for B2B. But to me, it doesn't really matter what you're doing as long as you're really connecting well with your client and asking always, what are they trying to accomplish and how can we then help them take that next step? I love the story of the a little birdie told me because uh, I've known of you and your company for so long and never knew the origin story. And when I first heard you say that, I thought that is just brilliant because not only is it sharing good news as you described, but it also kind of feels exclusive in a, yeah. in a way. Like, yeah. you know, it's a secret. Like I'm getting somebody's like secret information and um, mm -hmm. everybody wants to feel like they're in that inner circle, like you say, and that I think that close connection with customers and being able to share that kind of intimate circle of trust is really important. Yeah. Don't you feel that when you have the best respondents that they feel like, oh, I get to tell the company what I think and what I feel, you know, and it, that specialness that they're being valued is really at the core of the kind of relationships we want. A hundred percent. One of my favorite videos that I ever saw somebody send in uh, was a new customer and a woman kind of got on her video and said, I have been waiting to talk to you for 30 years. <laughs> and I was like blown away. I was like, she feels like she's talking directly to a brand that she feels really close to anyways. But that was the kind of opportunity to talk directly to that brand. So I, I just always love that. I remember, I'll never forget that woman. Yeah, that's special. It is. Um, so let's talk a little bit about storytelling. We actually talked a little bit about this last week as well, but it's a, obviously a topic that, um, you know, is really important in the insights industry. And we've been talking about it for years. It feels like uh, something that a lot of researchers have a hard time cracking. And so where do you think people are struggling when it comes to storytelling in the insights industry and, and why? Well, you know, that's such a big question. And I think there are a lot of small little reasons why things are happening. But I think for me, the big picture is a little bit of a disconnect. And maybe I could explain it. But that is that many of us wear several different hats, right? You know, we're moms, we're wives, we're uh, CEOs, we're, you know, client liaisons, where we have all these things that we're juggling, right? And so making that switch as quickly as possible is where I think some of the winning strategies are. And so I know that sounds very, uh, very foo-foo, but let me break it down what I mean by that. So for example, I'm in my car, I'm driving to work, I might be listening to a podcast, I might be listening, you know, to an audible or something like that. And I am thinking about my life, I'm kind of preparing myself for work. But the question is, in the weekend when I was out maybe looking for a car at a used car lot, I was very much in my own personal life and not thinking about myself as a CEO. And I am very awake and alive to how I want to be treated as a consumer. But then on that little interesting journey, and some of you don't have that journey anymore into the office, but however it is, maybe it's metaphorical uh, commuting, but somehow we commute and sometimes we leave our own personal 
whole consumer experience behind, almost maybe leave a bit of our humanity behind. And then we'd come in. And for me, I would sit down at my desk and I would put my marketer's hat on. And then I might say, oh, okay, well, the client needs this revenue, needs this message out. So I'm going to go ahead and do this, you know, this, this offer or this campaign. But if I lose that connection of who I am as a consumer and as a human and how I like to be treated, then I'm not going to tell the great story, right? I'm instead going to get my marketing done. And getting marketing done is not the same as telling a great story in a compelling uh, story that can actually invite the consumer closer to the brand. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because I think we all battle with that idea of context shifting and, you know, move like I love how you describe it. You're taking one hat off and putting another hat on, but really one does benefit the other mm-hmm. and being able to tap into what we want, what's important to us as consumers can actually help us in our work too. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing I always struggle with there is like, well, I'm just a sample of one right? You know, when I think about my own preference, like I know all the data is telling me this, but like, I would never want that. You know, I'm just a sample of one. So it sometimes can be tricky to like, you know, to balance that, at least for me, it's like, here's what I'm seeing Mm -hmm. uh, in my own personal experience. Like I don't buy technology that way, or Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't look at read cereal packaging that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a funny balance, I guess. I think what it comes back to is you happen to have access to a lot of studies, okay? So you get to see a lot of things. But when I'm talking with clients, I'm making sure that they're doing queries toward their most ideal client. So for example, you mentioned technology. You may not be the most ideal client that they're going after for selling their technology. And so therefore, maybe they shouldn't listen to your opinion. They should be listening to the opinion of their most ideal buyer. And so I love what you're saying there because uh, this really gives a, a wonderful case for Vox Potme is that, you know, the moment that we're marketing to everybody, we're marketing to nobody. You know, and so, you know, on a platform as dynamic as Vox Potme is, it's important that those customers come out, those clients come out and say, I need to talk to a specific group because that group is going to give me the insight in order to sell this product to somebody who wants it, who values it, who's willing to pay for it. And I need to be listening to what they need and how they, you know, go through their own stories. What, what stories are they telling themselves and what are they willing to tell you, you know, as, as a, a potential consumer? So I love that because you've noticed in that, that, you know, that you don't do things the same way everybody else does. And that's okay. That's exactly why we need to get such specific insights and that we need to be asking the questions of a particular group. Yeah. A hundred percent. This is a very much like a Seth Godin worldview kind of like coming to fruition right in front of us. Right. Like (laughs) Seth Godin talks about how, you know, uh, you're, you, you shouldn't be marketing to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like your product shouldn't be useful to everyone or not everyone should care about it because different groups of people have different worldviews and different things that they care about and that are important to them. And this idea that we need to really narrow down who our ideal customer is in order to understand them and Mm -hmm. then serve them. Right. Um, 
And, and I think that, I mean, there's a lot of people that talk about it in different ways that I think are really interesting and valuable and, you know, not just understanding, um, you know, the demographics of an individual person or groups of people. It's not mm-hmm. about, you know, women from 18 to 24, because not all women 18 to 24 care about the same things or right. are in the same, you know, phase of life. And um, so really digging in and, and having a really good understanding of, of what they care about and in order to serve them is, is so crucial. Um, yeah. And not trying to just be be everything to everyone. Right. And, you know, you said something even deeper, what you're alluding to there, which you've been in this industry so long. But if we could take that a step further, the reality is that if you continue to think about a product saying, oh, well, I don't buy that way or I don't do those things. That's also how clients sometimes come to research. And they even may say things like, oh, well, you know, the the user's not using the product right. Well, no, the user is using the product exactly how they need to use the product. And so what I think, uh, you know, something beautiful that really great insights does, and obviously on the VoxPopMe platform, is that it helps even the client get out of their view, their worldview of how their product should be used or why it's used or anything like that. And it opens them up just to listen to the consumer and you might find, and I know there are a lot of funny examples over time, but you know, a product that was created for one particular reason gets completely, you know, uh, you know, reinterpreted by the user. And at the end of the day, who cares, right? Right. (laughs) The consumer is buying it for their own reasons and is enjoying it in, in a particular usage then it would be wise for the client to listen to that, right? So you're saying that, you know, you kind of have to shed your ego and be like, well, I I don't do it that way. You're right. We need to listen to the ideal client. And also clients need to come at these types of studies and not overimpose their view of who should be using this and how they should be using it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say this at the risk of going the wrong direction down a rabbit hole, but this feels... (laughs) This is where where my head is at right now. But we've had other conversations about this too, about having a a team of people that is representative of the customers that you're serving, Right. right? So not only like get out of your worldview, but actually have a team as best you can that represents the worldviews of the customers that you're serving. And my favorite story of this, Eva from Google told me the story um, in episodes way in the beginning of the show about how when YouTube was first developed, all of the engineers on the team were right-handed. And when it, when YouTube came to market, left-handed people were uploading their videos and they were upside down. And that is just my favorite story of all time. Like, because the people working on the product were not representative of, of the entire, you know, user base. Um, yeah. And they learned from that and they fixed it and that's great. But um, it's yeah. just such a great, like, uh, you know, a great example of how important it is to not only put yourself in your consumer's shoes, but do your best to kind of have a team that represents the, cu- the customers that you're serving. Oh, I would totally agree. And I think it goes even a step further. I mean, look at the pandemic. Look what a shakeup we had of different customers. You know, who our customer was before the pandemic may be a completely different customer now. I know you're experiencing this with so many clients who are saying, oh my gosh, we have to get back in there because that that tried and true customer is either not our bread and butter anymore 
or we don't understand what's going on with them. But if they were not listening or they did not have the ears to hear that different perspective, they missed out on a new group that could be one of their best clients right now. And I'll use just a, a quick example of that is, you know, how much older people who um, were not using apps and tech and curbside and these kinds of things had that been overlooked you know, that that was a, a market that was open and there for anybody to take, but nobody stepped into it until we absolutely had to. And I think that's interesting because now everybody, of course, you know, you have, you know, 65 year olds using apps to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, do all kinds of things that they were not doing before. Now, we all know they're completely capable. That was not the issue, but they weren't being marketed those products before. Right. And that's a shame. So then the question is, can you create a study? Can you understand what's next or what new group you could open up for your product? There probably is an entire new um, uh, niche of customers, just a really a treasure trove of customers out there. But maybe your own assumptions and maybe your own team and maybe the lack of diversity on your own team is keeping you from seeing them. Yeah, uh, totally. Totally. Um, all right. Let's, let's keep it. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> you and I, man, it's just, this, is a, this is a terrible idea. Whoever, whoever had this idea was, yeah, this is a bad idea. Um, so going back to telling stories, like, you know, as we're wearing all these different hats, like how can researchers, insights, folks, marketers tell better stories, um, you know, knowing what we know about the challenges that are out there? Oh gosh, I, I think that's uh, that's a really such a big subject matter. But I do come back all the time to this idea of empathy, which obviously everybody is is talking about. Again, I hate hate these words that you know. Between if we use agile, empathy, and diversity all in the same podcast, we should be shot. <laughs> Um, really, I think people do lose touch of that, this, this disconnect between how I want to be treated, you know, as a customer versus now I come into my job and this is now the kinds of initiatives I'm going to put forward. That disconnect really can't happen anymore. And I do hope that even things within the pandemic where we've really embraced a lot more of our humanity at work, maybe this could help the insights community. Right. I do think that the insights community has always been a step ahead in empathy, a hundred percent. Right. So this is not new or definitely not a chastisement to this group. I'm just seeing a lot of other corporate structures have not come along with that and are being maybe pulled into that now. So I think what that means specifically is that the insights community understands how to talk about consumer empathy, understands how to frame customer experience, understands how to say, what does the user want from this? And so we need to figure out how to talk about that at tables without being gun shy and be like, oh, we're the data people. I see that all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, they don't really know their worth. That's my biggest problem with the insights community that I see from the outside. They, they shirk sometimes coming to the table and, you know, kind of, kind of present their thing without coming out and bold. And the reality is, is that they are the people closest to the consumer. Mm -hmm. And so they should be that champion of the voice of the consumer. They should walk in with total confidence and tell the leadership what absolutely needs to happen to change in order to make this experience what those consumers need. That's so interesting to hear. Do you think that that has changed 
in in last year like i think that um you know previously i think market researchers sometimes were treated like the dated people right, right. but right. it seems like in the last year there's been a lot more certainly questions about consumers or about a target market from others in the business so do you how, do you think that's changed um that sort of timidness of the insights person or should we be feeling more confident in the insight space about what what we do have um, yeah. to offer. <laughs> yes 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 i think yes. there's two things going on for me personally um what i see i think largely we teach people how we we train people how to treat us right mm -hmm. so i think the industry for many years has you know has trained uh the c suite to maybe listen to you know, insights, <laughs> you know, the other piece of it, I think, is that we're in a place of desperation. Honestly, brands are very desperate. This was a massive, you know, shakeup, a global shakeup. And so they're like, oh my gosh, what should we, should we do this? Should we do this? And all of a sudden everything's back on the table. And this is a really amazing opportunity for insights professionals to say, yes, we know, and we can help you. We can guide you. We are listening. We are interacting with the client. We are giving the client ways to interact that are not weird and, and, and old and antiquated. We're helping them to be able to really use their true voice in a very quick way that is in alignment with the speed of life. And so we can give you real insight right now. So this is a massive opportunity, in my opinion. If we don't go this route, we will reshape how corporate America is structured. And I'll just add one small little point here. Have you noticed that the job of CMO is almost completely gone? I mean, do you know a CMO in most places? There are some titles that are fading out because there are multiple places where people can get, for example, marketing insight. And that is the, you know, coming up with whether it's UX or CX or the chief people officer, or we have all these crazy titles happening. And so within that, I think it's very interesting. Sorry, I'm going to say one other thing. I lied. One other thing is that at heart, I'm an anthropologist, you know, I'm a cultural anthropologist by trade. And I remember talking with a professor. Um, it, it, in my senior year and talking about, okay, we have, now what kind of a job am I going to get? <laughs> I remember him saying to me, are you kidding me? Every company should have an anthropologist on staff. Yeah. And this idea of how we agree to behave as humans and, and, and how we have these tacit agreements of value and meaning, this is not going to change. And this is what the insight professional can provide if they just become awake and alive to what they really have to offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely does feel like it's the time for the insights function to shine. If if you're not already, like jump on board, have that confidence to bring the findings to the rest of the team. Um, right. I love that you're a cultural anthropologist. I didn't know that about you. Um, <laughs> I took one anthropology course in college. I failed, but it was my favorite <laughs> class of like my whole college career. I remember everything I learned in there. It was just really hard, but anyways. <laughs> I'm so impressed by that. I do love hearing like all the, I've, I've, this opportunity having this podcast and being able to talk to so many people in the industry, everyone has this sort of different background. Like, I don't think I've ever spoken to someone who said, like, I got my master's degree in market research and became a market researcher. There's so many like psychologists, anthropologists, like math majors, like there's so many different 
um, routes to get to this, um, to into this industry, which is right. so, so interesting. But yeah. Um, yeah, I do agree. There's like such a demand right now to understand people and understand how quickly people are changing and <laughs> what they, what the needs are changing. But I do think that um, while insights probably has been a more empathetic uh, industry historically over the last year, I mean, that's just become um, mm-hmm. even more so because like, let's come full circle. In the beginning, you talked about all the different hats we wear in the day mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we were all wearing them all at the same time. Yeah. And, and we were wearing them on Zoom, which was awkward. <laughs> Right. We just had piles of hats on, on Zoom all day long. Don't don't mind me. This is just, this is just going on in my bedroom. It's fine. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I think that that actually, in some ways, organically helped us to get, you know, get better at relating to the, relating the personal me with the business me. Right. Right. And realizing that there's there's not a whole lot of difference. Right. Right. And isn't that the heart of storytelling? Right. That's Mm -hmm. where we're what we're talking about is like, how do we improve that storytelling is because we, you know, tap into our own humanity. We are empathetic even for ourselves. We've all been through a horrible year, some worse than others. But if we have that empathy for ourselves right now and we can see how many things changed in our household with our buying habits, I mean, obviously beyond some of just the personal tragedies that have gone on, you know, but all of those things we've had to live out in a public life, much more public than than people were living before. And so that is the basis of great storytelling is to understand the arc of how your life has changed. And then you can start understanding then this is what customers are saying. Oh, I'm seeing, I'm seeing little like, indicators that their life is about to change and that they're willing to change certain things. And those are the things we should be listening for in insights so that then we can guide companies into making that next great decision for business impact. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about podcasting. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so you have a podcast. Yeah, I have two now. Oh, two. Let's let's hear about those. Yeah. So Ponderings from the Perch is my marketing uh, company podcast. And uh, because I have probably seven out of 10 of my fingers in the market research pie, <laughs> I do talk a lot with uh, uh, market researchers and um, insights professionals because I do think that, you know, people can't, like you mentioned, you can't rely on your own instinct or your own feeling, oh, I listen, watch, I watch this show, so let's put the advertisement on that show. No, we need to really know who our most ideal client is and what they're doing. So I talk with a lot of market research professionals. Obviously, there are a lot of uh, conversations we have just about marketing, about marketing strategy and the overwhelming world of there are a million things to do with digital marketing, right? And so it's a very scary world. And I get pulled aside at conferences with a little whisper like, I actually don't know what this means, (laughs) you know? So really trying to pull the curtain back, be very friendly and very open and really try and show people, look, it's not rocket science. You just have to get things in the right order and you have to be very organized in digital marketing. So I try and provide that. The new one that we started this year is called Digital Transformation Success. And I consult around the world with companies that are really trying to figure out how do we get this you know, digital world, not bringing technology and you know, robots into our world just you know, to, uh, to you know, make things easier. It's about a mindset that says, how can I use technology to really let the humanity of our company shine? 
Where can I replace some things that we're doing with um, and you leverage technology in order to get things done more efficiently so that then we have the time to write that amazing email as you know, we, we see sometimes when things have gone wrong in, uh, uh, say, in an order. I remember a client, uh, a, a vendor this year. Um, you know, didn't have in stock what I needed. And I got a person that wrote back to me and it was the most hilarious email. And I thought, this company is totally in digital transformation. All these other things are automated. And that's why they have the time for this interesting email to me about some options that I could do since they were out of the product I was looking for. And it made me laugh so hard, made me so loyal. And so we consult with, with uh, clients how to go through some digital transformation ideas. And we teach um, B2B people, how to become social influencers and really leverage that online tool. Because as you know, we're not face-to-face -face, um, very often anymore. And some of that's not going to change permanently. Yeah, totally. I love that um, that story you shared and that, that idea of, um, you know, the technology freeing up space yeah. to add that humanity in. You know, I've, I've had so many experiences whether in business or personal where, you know, with a company who is just all, everything is manual and it takes forever and the mm -hmm. customer experience is garbage because, you know, it ju I just can't get what I need. Right. And then the other end of the spectrum where everything is automated and scripted and, you know, the support is whatever, like mm -hmm. very technology focused. And I'm like, right. I just want a human being. Right. To like look at my specific thing yeah. and tell me what's different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's that it's that dichotomy of people thinking that it's one or the other. No, it isn't. It's this amazing place in the middle. And that mindset that really says, look, we all want to move fast. And so of course I want some things to be automated. If I just want your phone number, I, I hope you have it on a chat bot on your Facebook because I just want your stupid phone number, you know. But if I'm looking for something deeper, I want to be able to find that and I want to be able to have it come at the pace that I'm where I'm living. And so that the real result is to be right there in the middle and say, you know, we are efficient, but we are also still human. Yeah, I love that. And I think that that mindset that you mentioned really is the key. And I think honestly, it's where a lot of people struggle mm -hmm. to drive that digital or, you know, any kind of transformation forward, because it's hard to bring everybody on you know, along the journey with you. Right. Um, it can be. I've seen it done really successfully. Some businesses out there that have just um, adopted that mindset shift so mm -hmm. holistically mm -hmm. um, and others that are, that still struggle to bring everybody along. So I love mm -hmm. that there's a, there's some resource out there that you can <laughs> listen to um, yeah. to kind of help you if you're trying to drive that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun. And a lot of brands, like you said, I, I highlight people who I feel have really done it well and let them tell their story. Um, and they're not, I don't bring on people that are necessarily my um, consulting clients. I just bring on people like, Hey, you did a great job with this. Do you want to tell the story to me? I don't have ego in the game. I just know that for companies to survive, we need to really use technology very um, intelligently. And I, I honestly, I mean, I will give just a shameless plug to Vox Poppy because that is so, to me, at the heart of a way that we can use technology to increase humanity. I mean, really, that is such a perfect example to me. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Uh, your check is in the mail. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Okay, as another favor, I have a couple, I have a list of a few companies that I would like for you to um, get them to start using Vox Pop Me because I have things to say to them. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, you want me to send, send you the list? <laughs> send me the list and we okay. will start some um, ABM strategy against getting them. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I know you're not using VoxPopMe yet, but Priscilla has some things to say to right. you. Do you think you yeah. can start working with them? Exactly, exactly. That's a great marketing <laughs> campaign if I ever heard one. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just before we wrap up, like what, what do you see as someone who self-proclaims seven out of 10 fingers in, in the insights industry? I love that. Um, what do you see as a head for the future? What trends are you seeing emerge and uh, in, in the insight space? Yeah, well, I think it's no secret that big companies and small companies alike have gotten on the customer-centric bandwagon. Um, I was on the stage at IIEX in Amsterdam, uh, and the, one of the last days of March of uh, um, the ill-fated 2020. And you know, I was up there talking about digital transformation and about how this is how we need to care for prospects as well as customers, et cetera. And I think the speech bubble was still hanging over my head where I said, you know, if you have not gone through, pulled, pulled digital transformation across your entire organization in a way where customer centricity and um, prospect centricity is meaningful to you and that you have not created a, a space for your team to self-reflect about how they show up online. This is not the future. This is not even what's going on today. That's in the past and you are behind and you have to catch up. And so what I would say is one thing while, while insights industry, I think as far advanced in empathy where they are very um, uh, in in uh, in arrears is in really embracing uh, social influence and really bringing their thought leadership to bear in a global space, and that's too bad because business is happening over on LinkedIn in a way that people need to be infected with these concepts of customer centricity of listening to the voice of the customer. And we need more and more conversation like that. And so I got off that stage and right as I did, that was the first time I heard the word COVID. So obviously I had a book of flight home and also, <laughs> also, you know, then we became, you know, even more in demand at that point. But no matter who you do it with or what services you use, customer centricity is where you have to go. You will not survive if you are not listening to your customer. And so I think shortening that distance from who is the user, who is the maker, to who is the, you know, uh, that, that, that connection, the user and the maker, that has to get shorter and shorter and shorter. And if you can get that to be super tiny, I guarantee you, you will have an incredibly successful business going into this next decade. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think because maybe just being in the industry as long as we both have and, you know, most of the conversations I have are with other people who feel the same way about customer centricity. <laughs> but I, uh, somebody posted on LinkedIn a week or two ago that, you know, it seems to still be a new idea, this idea of customer centricity. Sometimes you talk to people and I have had the same experience where sometimes you mention it and people go, oh, my God, that's just brilliant. <laughs> and it's like. It's not new. Where have you been? Right, right. The consumer has been in charge for the last decade. So right. it does seem to be. It's funny, like, um, I and I don't. I I've learned I'm not alone in that experience. Or some <laughs> sometimes, like, it just seems like a novel idea. Um, but I think that you know, that Jim. That's like, why that's why your podcast is so important because we need to talk about it with many people in many different fields and we need this to happen not just because our businesses need to advance but because we want to create a world in which we want to live and that's a huge part of it for me yeah 
I totally agree. And uh, maybe that's a good place to leave it. <laughs> it's a very positive place. That is a very positive place. That's very uplifting uh, a thought to end the show on. And I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. This was so fun. The time just flew by. Um, so we'll have to do it again soon. Well, I want to give one other shameless plug. If you love Real Talk like I do, then you should vote for Real Talk on the MR Podcast Awards. So we really, you know, at Little Bird Marketing want to support people who are putting great ideas out there. So if you put that in the show notes, I'm telling you, Jen, people need to vote for Real Talk. And, you know, I know how much work goes into putting these podcasts. It's really a labor of love. So, you know, make sure you give Jen a great shout out for these great, uh, these efforts to really have good conversation and to spark even better conversation with all of our colleagues. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And I will get in so much trouble for saying what I'm about to say, but all the credit goes to our producer, Christoph. I'm not, a, I'm not supposed to talk about the man behind the curtain, but he is there and does a brilliant job with this show. So thank you to Christoph as well. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, this has been such a, such a fun chat. Um, please don't forget to rate and review our show and vote for us for MR podcast of the year. Um, in the show notes on the next episode. I don't actually know who's on our next episode. I'll have to check my calendar, but I will see you then. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.